listening to Cairo Candy, the podcast of sweet chiropractic success. Here's your host, Billy Sticker. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Dr. Mary Lucas Flannery. How are you doing, ma'am? I am so good this morning. It's a beautiful day, getting ready to go on a grand adventure with my kids. But first stop, hanging out in this world with the Cairo Candy folks. So I'm excited. Well, good. Thank you so much uh, for coming and hanging out. Uh, you and I first met, it was just six months ago. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it was longer than that, but it was just six months ago uh, down in Puerto Rico. Uh, then I saw you again here just last month. Well, no, just a couple of weeks ago. At Cairo Fest, right. um, and we have. There's been a couple of different times we've had you scheduled uh, to do the interview, but because of the storms and stuff we had here, uh, we're finally able to make it happen. So, um, thank you so much for being on. Let's get straight into it. Let's kind of talk about your backstory. Why chiropractic? I'm an unusual chiropractor. I didn't uh, come with any intention of going into healthcare. So you know, most people at some point figure out they want to do something in healthcare and they get a science degree um, and eventually somehow find chiropractic. My background is I have a degree in English literature with a writing minor. I had always anticipated being in publishing or, you know, some kind of copywriting. Um, And I, at the end of my college education, met this guy who was applied and accepted to chiropractic school. We got engaged and off I went to Devonport, Iowa while he went to chiropractic school. And my very first job after college was working as a recruiter slash admissions rep for Palmer. So I spent three years while my husband was going through school learning the ins and outs of chiropractic, but from a different angle than most people do, because I wasn't just meeting one chiropractor who inspired me. I was meeting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chiropractors and seeing the range of the profession, the range of how differently people practice, how differently people communicate, just, and yet there was this commonality of this incredible lasting sustainable passion and connection to the work they did. And so I resisted it hard for three years. People said to me over and over, oh, you're going to be a chiropractor. You're so excited about chiropractic. And I would say, no, 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 that's not my path. And finally, right as my then husband was graduating from chiropractic school, I decided to do the program as well. So that's how I became a chiropractor. But even from there, my professional journey is a little unusual. I did at that once I graduated from chiropractic school, go into practice um, I had my kids while I was in practice, had a peds practice, really great experience. But at some point I got basically asked, would I consider applying for a job at a chiropractic college again? Because I have this background of knowing chiropractic education. So that was at LifeU. Um, so I worked at LifeU for quite some time. Um, I started in the clinic system and then I became the director of recruitment and then the executive director of enrollment there. Um, all these skills that I have as the chiropractor ended up being, of course, very important because I understand the profession from the inside out, but also all these skills that I thought I'd given up as a communicator and a um, you know, speaker and all these other things that I'd sort of put away, like I'm going to be a chiropractor instead, um, came back into the conversation. So I have spent, I've worked now at three chiropractic colleges. I currently work at Life West, been there for nearly six years, and I love the work that I do. I still, I tell people often, I'm still a chiropractor and I still work with subluxations all the time. They're just the ones that are above Atlas because I'm working with, well, I work a ton with prospective students 
And it is an interesting journey to understand like what's in the mind of someone who's choosing a career. And that's even shifted a bit over time. Um, so really learning how to tell the story of chiropractic, to tell the story of a career in chiropractic to someone who's going to not just buy care, they're going to buy that becoming their career. And all the chiropractors listening know the investment that is of time and money. It's huge. So that's a that's a big sell, right? This is marketing, let's face it. But it has right. to be super, super authentic. So I've become very, very good at that. I have an incredible length of time doing it and that's allowed me to get really good at it so I have a very strong record track record of being good at doing that but I also my job is working with chiropractors um, I don't know if your audience realizes this but sending students to chiropractic school a huge portion of that happens through chiropractors in the field uh, telling someone at some point you should consider a career in chiropractic um, because people aren't being told that very many places. And when the right people consider it, they get really excited because they just didn't realize that this was a journey. So I spend a lot of time helping chiropractors to see the impact they can make by influencing, helping to shape the future generation of chiropractors. And that's also a lot of work. Um, it's a challenging marketing project because chiropractors are heckin' busy, right? I mean, you guys are so busy as entrepreneurs with your families, like there's just a lot of spinning plates. And so for me to figure out how to get the message in to inspire a chiropractor to say, okay, I'm going to just do a little bit of extra effort here to find future chiropractors that, you know, that's a, a challenging marketing problem too. So I, I definitely work in the chiropractic field, but in very different ways than most chiropractors. I've never really thought about that. I mean, how great would it be to get a campaign going for chiropractors to help recruit more chiropractors. It's one of the projects I'm working on right now is for Life West is we want to take this stuff digital, right? Like, hello, it's 2017. We've got to be using the current technology. And while there are schools and organizations dabbling in it, it's not, you know, like what you and I study, Philly, where we see like these major enterprises where it's so layered and so much great content. I mean, there's so much great content in chiropractic, let's face it. Like just incredible stories of people whose lives are changed, patients whose lives are changed. Like we are just sitting on this incredible goldmine of marketing, authentic, true, real, surprising stories. And we've got to figure out how to truly get them out there. So that's really like my professional calling right now is to using, you know, Life West as a vehicle for that right now. Um, and I'm at Life West because for me, Life West is a great fit. I really I fully resonate with the way that Life West approaches chiropractic education. And to me, it's all the pieces that balance of the art, the science, the philosophy, as well as that practical side. You got to know how to turn into a successful chiropractor when you graduate. Um, I think there's other great schools out there that just happens to be the school that I have found to be the best vehicle for me. But my bigger vision is really for chiropractic. It's for the chiropractors to see how much of an impact we can make on the future of chiropractic by shaping the next generation that comes in. Because let me tell you, the students right now coming into chiropractic school, most of them, no one, if somebody hadn't somehow grabbed them and told them about a career in chiropractic, they never would have found it. Because no one's out there saying to little kids when they, you know, are like, oh, I want to grow up and do something cool. Oh, you should be a chiropractor. Like no one's saying that to them. They're, they're choosing to be, a physical therapist if they feel like they don't want to do medicine, right? They're choosing things that are they think are the, the next best fit because they think they know what a chiropractor does and that it's not for them. 
So it's this real challenge of giving information to people who think they already have the information and sort of upsetting that, you know, presumption of information in a way that's not, you know, confrontive in an unfriendly way, which is the same challenge that chiropractors have. Like this is the exact same challenge that chiropractors have every day in their office. People come in thinking they want X. And chiropractors are like, yeah, I do X, but I also do Y, Z, Q, F, and N. And I got to spend some time helping you to see why I do those things and helping you to choose, is this something you're interested in? I have the same challenge, but for a much higher ticket price. So this is, right. this is the world of, of marketing and chiropractic. It's a toughie, but it's doable. It's totally doable. I can definitely see where, how that would work. I mean, we went, um, my oldest son's going to college up in Dallas. And he's going to Bible college up there. He's actually co-enrolled with uh, Christ for the Nations and Dallas Baptist University. And uh, But he helps a lot with all the marketing, Facebook marketing and stuff that we do. Well, I've got a client just south of Fort Worth. And so we were up there last month. Um, and we spent a whole Saturday with this client doing some stuff for him. And he goes, you know what? Let's start off with an adjustment. And Brady's my youngest or my oldest. You know, he's had plenty of adjustments before. So it's yeah, all, all right, you know. And, uh, and then Dr. Chase looks at him and says, Brady, I, I know you're going to school for ministry stuff, but you would make a fantastic chiropractor. And he just looked, really? You think so? Mm-hmm. He goes, yes. He goes, it's so important that you do exactly what you feel you're called to do, but I'm telling you, you would make a great ch- chiropractor. And then next thing you know, like the next couple of days, I'm getting text messages. Dad, do you know there's a chiropractic college in Dallas? <laughs> I understand. Yes, I do. But, you know, just planting that seed that there, it, it's an option, you know. So, yep. There's stuff. a chiropractor on the East Coast who is known for having sent, I think, over 200 students to chiropractic school. And he's done it through this tactic. On the 10th visit... No matter what, it's in his notes to do it. He says to every patient from a grandma to a you know, kid, have you ever considered a career in chiropractic? You would make an awesome chiropractor. And he does it even with the older patients knowing that they have, you know, friend, first of all, you never know who's a career changer. Chiropractic is known for attracting career changers. But right. also you don't know, you know, who's grandchild or nephew or neighbor's child will be impacted by just planting that seed. And just by saying that one sentence, not hosting career nights, not doing anything, not going to colleges. I mean, and there are chiropractors who do lots of those things, too. Um, But just the simple act of saying regularly to patients, have you ever considered a career in chiropractic? You'd make a fantastic chiropractor. And meaning it, obviously, it's got to be sincere. Um, He sent so many students now to chiropractic college. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, good stuff. Let's get into the Art of Story Project. Aha. So the Art of Story Project is my personal business challenge. (laughs) Like so many people, you know, I've got the side hustle. And it came from, initially it began as me coaching chiropractors in public speaking. Um, I was working with a group of women who were wanting to make a bigger impact in chiropractic. And we came to the conclusion that if we were going to have an opportunity to speak, that we needed to just really deliver a super A plus performance. Um, And so I just took, I mean, I have a lot of experience as a public speaker. I, before my career in chiropractic, I did, you know, loads of theater and forensics and all that kind of stuff. So I had a fair amount of training 
And then, of course, I had done a lot of that in my job, but I'd never taught anyone before. So that meant I had to go back to the books and go back to the sources and learn like all of the theory and understand the nuances. And I started building online classes, teaching women to be better public speakers. And then, of course, it branched into me wanting to help more than women. Um, I think the whole chiropractic profession needs to up its game candidly. I mean, just talking about just public presentations alone, Billy, think about this. We care as chiropractors so passionately about our message, right? Our big idea, we have so much passion for. Yet, when you look at the amount of hours that chiropractors have put into training on their technique or training on office procedures or all the other things, and you look and you compare that to the hours of training we have in presenting or just communication overall, it's no wonder that this is a place that chiropractors struggle. And I think often it's because what's been modeled for us is be really excited and just let the passion carry you and you'll be okay. And while I agree that there are a lot of sort of naturally charismatic characters we see in chiropractic and there's a lot to admire there, that's not a method. That's not really even the best way to communicate with people. It'd be like, you know, there's this phrase in chiropractic that's like, oh, I just got up and I let innate flow, meaning I just, you know, like, you know, was in the moment and I didn't stress about it. Um, it would be like a, an athlete saying, like, I don't go to practice because I'm just going to show up on game day and let innate flow, right? Like, you would, you would never respect an athlete who behaved like that. Yet somehow in chiropractic, we've let that be the status quo. And I get it. It's, it's hard when you start to put work into something you never have before. And you start to like deconstruct it, it gets real uncomfortable. You get into a place of conscious incompetence and people get real unhappy. They're like, this was fun before, Mary, and now you broke me. But once they get through that stage, it's incredible. I mean, it's just totally incredible. I just worked with a client who had a big speech chiropractor in a non-chiropractic industry. And he wanted to make a big splash. And he was trying to make inroads. And he put in a lot of time. He worked hard. Um, but in a short period, you know, like over two weeks, he just like super prepped for the speech. And we went to dinner the other week and he told me it was just like incredible because he's spoken at these kind of events before. He said people he'd been trying to reach that just, you know, other leaders in that uh, sub genre that he'd been trying to reach that weren't coming back to him, like were seeking him out in the hallways after he spoke, that he had more emails, more opt-ins, more feedback, like tenfold than he ever had before. And it's because he went from good to great by doing the training on how to put story into his speech, how to make the flow happen, like all these things. And he was an, a comfortable speaker before he started. It's not about, to me, it's not about people who've never spoken before. It's taking that like talent of like, I'm okay at this. I'm comfortable to like, your big idea is so important to you. Why would you not put the same level of energy into preparing how to transmit that big idea that you are into how to be a great adjuster or a great business person? Because sure, if we I mean can't, Tell the story. We're never going to have anybody on our tables anyway, right? Presenting is not the same as communicating. Yeah. So uh, over the next few minutes, I want us to do two different things. One, yeah. tell us why stories are important and yes. then give us some tips, maybe um, a couple of nuggets, if you will, maybe that you shared with him that made a difference in his presentation Absolutely. that we might be able to apply these docs listening might be able to apply to, um, you know, to their dinner talks. I know I have a couple of talks coming up here in the next six weeks. Um, yeah. so give us, give us some goods. Okay. Well, here's the big picture on why story, why does story matter? 
the shortest distance between two people is a story. We are hardwired for story. Our brains literally function differently when in the presence of a story than in the presence of information. So when we normally hear information, we have already existing paradigms, right? I call them buckets of belief. We have these like containers for how we see the world. And when information comes in, if it doesn't easily fit into a bucket we've already constructed, we discard it. Like our brain, like it does this subconsciously, unconsciously, we don't even know what's happening. We're just like, nope, whatever. Like we don't even hear that information. When we're exposed to a story, the buckets go away, the paradigms go away. And we're able to just be in the flow of story. It's called suspension of disbelief in storytelling land. It's a thing. We All of our confirmation bias goes away and we suddenly just take on information that's embedded inside the story. And at the end of the story, even if the there was information there that didn't jibe with your worldview, your response will be, if it was a, a compelling story, is going to be more like, hmm, that's interesting. Now I need to understand more rather than just, no, I, it's bullshit. I don't care. Right. That's what happens when we're exposed to a story. It cuts through all the lanes of confusion and trying to choose. I mean, we're in a age of information overload. That's un, so unprecedented. We don't even know how to measure it. People are inundated with constant supposed. Fa- I mean, no one even knows what a fact is anymore. Right. Like you can't even tell. Right. So this is where story makes a difference because, but the story has to be good for it to do this. If it's a story that's missing key elements, it won't have that same impact. People's BS detectors will go off if they feel like it's inauthentic or it's manipulative or any of those things. So it's not just tell any story. I mean, we've all heard some bad stories in our lives, right? Rambling stories, stories without a point, stories with, I don't know, that you don't even know what's happening. Like it, it isn't just something, even though we're hardwired for story, it's also an art form. Like we can all learn to do a lot of different art, but we need a little training. So that's where the storytelling training that I do comes in because I believe everyone can learn to be a storyteller or at least a much better storyteller. So that's, and then how do you deploy that once you learn it? And I will give you a couple tips. You can deploy these stories everywhere in your practice. Like you should have a story in your day one, day two. You should have a story in your healthcare class. Actually, you should have several. Your healthcare class should be half story, half information, however long it is. Um, you should have story in your dinner with the docs. You should have story in every presentation you do. If you go speak at the you know, local chamber event or whatever you've got an opportunity to speak at. In fact, when I'm coaching people on their speaking, I'm usually getting them to pull out a good amount of their content and put in a story instead, which feels really uncomfortable. You're like, but I'm here to inform them. I want to educate. It is amazing over and over the results that my clients get when they take out a lot of the information and they strip it down to a lot of story and a couple key points with some science, with some good facts in it. Not saying not to be scientific, by the way. Like, yeah, actually the best stories, you sprinkle in just like a little bit of science and people's brains are just blown. They're like, oh my gosh, this person's a genius. They don't even know what's happening because you're just like tapping into the primal part of them that gets things. So that's really where story comes in. You should be using story everywhere you can think of in your practice. Um, I have my clients sit down with their teams and say, okay, we need more story in our practice. What are the opportunities? They get their teams telling stories at the front desk when they're checking people out. You know, client stories or their own personal stories. Or I mean, there's so many ways to do this. Uh, 
just try doing, I don't know, I would say to uh, the listeners, take one thing that I mentioned about all that list of places where there's stories, find one of them where you don't think there's much story and just change that one thing and just live with that for a while and see how it goes. Um, and then, well, let's talk about what goes into a story. That's confusing, right? What, what elements are there in a story? If you want to go deep on this, this is all based on the work of someone named Joseph Campbell, who's this famous historian slash researcher who studied all of the myths and stories that have endured, that have made, you know, because if a story lasts, that means it was a good story. That's what why we tell Joseph. Joseph Campbell. He's dead now, but he wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And this is like the basis of every writer, every screenwriter, every fiction writer knows the work of Joseph Campbell inside out. And then actually a lot of just general communicators love to use the work of Joseph Campbell. So he, he created this thing called The Hero's Journey, which most okay. of you have probably heard of yes, at least now once. I, I'm familiar yes. with that. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And so when you look at The Hero's Journey, which every story, basically the premise that Joseph Campbell has is that every story that lasts is in some format a hero's journey. But the hero's journey, when he breaks it down, has 12 steps. We are not going to go through all 12 of these steps. That's super advanced work. When I teach this to uh, people to get started, there's actually three steps to every story. Here they are. Are you ready? Step one, the beginning. Step two, the middle. Step three, the end. Now, that's sort of facetious. I get that. But I am shocked how many stories are missing the proper attention to one of those three elements. So if we break it down, the beginning is where you need to set up what we call the ordinary world, like the status quo, how it was before. And we need the right details to understand where we are in time and place and why whatever's gonna happen to this character matters. So for example, if you were telling a story about when you learned to ride a bike, it matters if you were three or you were 20, right? It's a totally different story. But if you just say, when I was learning to ride a bike and you don't tell me that you were 20, then, then I'm missing all this context for the story, right? So the details that belong in that setup can be really important. You want the audience to grasp the key points. And if, if you don't give them that information, and I notice this often, people don't, it's, it, it's in their head. They know what's the relevant details that they forget to tell the audience. So understanding you've got to set up the story with, with what's the world like, the main character, what are they experiencing? Really, what's their pain point for a lot of stories becomes really important. What made them so uncomfortable that they're going to move from the, the status quo, the ordinary world, into the middle? <coughs> so the middle, I usually call the messy middle. The messy middle is where all of the hard stuff is happening. The story, this is the part of most stories, chiropractic stories that is missing, by the way. You look at patient testimonials, they're almost always missing this. You look at people's journeys, this is often missing because people, I think, feel uncomfortable being vulnerable, uncomfortable feeling that they might come across as like victim-y or whiny. We need to see the part of the story. The audience needs to see the part of the story where everything doesn't work perfectly. And here's why. That's the part of the story we most relate to. Absolutely. That's the part yep. of the story that makes us go, oh, me too. I'm struggling too. And when we skip that, like say you're watching like a before and after for weight loss and someone was like, I was overweight. I did this diet and now I'm super fit, right? You're like, well, they're awesome, but I tried doing that diet and it's really hard for me, right? You don't relate. You're like, well, that's not the diet for me because it's hard for me and they, for them it was easy. Like they need to know there was a struggle in the middle 
And that struggle is where you're learning the skills that are going to allow this journey you're on to matter and to truly be not a fluke, but a sustainable shift in the person the hero is, the place the hero is going. Those details are the best part of the story and the most fun. Quick question before yeah. we go on to the end. Yeah. Can you give us maybe a brief example of how that would look in a patient testimonial? Totally. So in a patient testimonial, think about it. Most patients, even to step into chiropractic care, they've often overcome barriers, right? People are like, why would you go see a chiropractor? Or they've tried all this other stuff and they're losing hope. And they're, you know, like even that setup can be part of the messy middle. Like the struggle it was for them to even say, you know, I tried this, I tried this. I'm so frustrated. I'm so at the end of my rope and now I'm at a chiropractor. But the interesting part is even when your patients start chiropractic care, let's face it, most of the time, it's not one adjustment and they're perfect and everything's done, right? They get some results, there's some plateaus, they might even have some periods of time where it doesn't seem like anything's happening or maybe they're even moving backwards. That struggle of really getting long-term results from chiropractic care needs to be evident. That even their doubts sometimes of like, I wasn't sure, like I would literally have a line in there if a patient said like, you know, it felt like it was better but I just wasn't really sure if it was working at first. Like. That's so relatable to most people. They need to see that that person also had doubts and also had days they thought it was awesome and days they were like, am I on the right path? And see them come through the other side of that. Ideally, even taking ownership of their own health and their own care, right? At some point, we know our best patients have this sort of like switch where they realize it's not the chiropractor that's helping them heal. It's their body that's healing and they get empowered and they get fired up. Like that's the turn from the messy middle to the end. So those elements being there and that kind of contrast of when it's hard will really set you up when we do get to the end. Because in the end, it's first, firstly, it's important that your stories have meaning, right? Otherwise, it's just entertainment, which is great, but we, we're not telling stories only to entertain. We're telling stories in order to influence. And so we need to make sure if you were, say, telling a story in a speech, and even if it was just like a funny, clever story, you need to have it have meaning that underlines your point that you're making. But if this was back to the patient testimonial kind of story, you want to make sure now that we clearly see as an audience the difference between the before, the beginning, and the end, the after. So it's really important. This is where it goes back to, you might even reshape your beginning once you build your end, because you want to be able to show the audience that contrast to before, I was, you know, hopeless, I was frustrated, I didn't know where to turn, I had these, you know, frequent headaches, whatever the thing was, and then now, I'm not hopeless, I understand that my body can heal itself, I still have headaches, maybe sometimes, they might even say, but I go and see my chiropractor, and then they resolve immediately now that I've got this under control, like, whatever the truth is, these stories have to be truthful, let me make that clear, really, really important that you're not making these, these shiny, glossy Hollywood stories, because that's where people's BS detectors will go right off and then the whole story gets lost. But those three steps, if you make sure they're all there, I mean, I would say a patient testimonial, I would not even any longer just like, you know how people give patients like a, a form with some questions on it? You can solicit some of these things in questions, but I would workshop it live with a patient. I would sit down knee to knee with them and say, you've got such a great story. I really want to, you know, help you tell it so that we can help more people. Are you interested? And I would workshop it with them because 
it takes for patients, they forget where they were in the beginning. We know that, right? They totally forget how this issue not only gave them pain, but how it affected their life, how they couldn't, you know, go to their kids' soccer games anymore. They couldn't golf anymore. The, the things that affect their quality of life are really important in that story for that contrast from the beginning to the end. And so if we, if we just let a patient fill out a, a testimonial form, they're just going to remember like one thing, like I had headaches. Until we really like talk to them about it, that conversation will elicit the details. If it's a good patient who you think has got some ability to communicate, I would tell you put these things on video for sure all day long yep. and put them, put them out there. We live in a digital age. We've got we to start doing this better, telling more people these chiropractic stories because they are so profound and people don't know. Yeah. Very good. How can people reach out and uh, get with you and find out more information uh, about what it is that you do? I do have a website for this project. It's called theartofstoryproject.com. If you want to learn a little bit more about how you can use stories in your practice, there is a a button right on the homepage where it says, you know, I want to get the PDF with 10 ways to tell a story in my business. So you can click on that and you'll get the PDF that kind of breaks down some different ways to use story and some elements of story. Um, And then if you want to go deep down the rabbit hole, there's online classes in there that you can dig deep into storytelling in a series of of video lectures and assignments so you can do the work. So those would be the ways I'd recommend digging in if you're ready to take the time to learn how to communicate story because it's it's an art, but it is an art everyone can learn. I know this for a fact. I've, I've watched people do it. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today and uh, enjoy your uh, trip with the kids or adventure with the kids coming up. Yes. Thanks so much, Billy. I really am so happy to be here to have a chance to meet with your audience and talk about storytelling. Thank you. As we close out this episode, I have a question for you. If everyone in your community knew what you did, how you did it, and why you did it, how busy would you be? Well, this is what we help you accomplish with our Facebook marketing services and book writing services. We're working with over 80 clients all over the world right now to help them increase their impact in their community, get new patients, and make more money. If you are interested, head on over to ChiroCandy.com and click on the Marketing Services tab, or you can simply go to BillySticker.com. So ChiroCandy.com and click on the Marketing Services tab, or head on over to BillySticker.com. Mm-hmm.